0: Hey, strangers! Uh, Welcome to a much (laughs) looser-feel version of Strange Talk. Um, So, the biggest complaint, well, I wouldn't say complaint, but the biggest criticism I usually receive is that a lot of people wish that the podcast episodes were a lot longer. And that's just because some of the episodes that I put out, I I usually don't have enough time, um, you know, because I do work a lot and I have a child to take care of. So sometimes time is usually against me and I don't really have a lot of time to work on the podcast as much as I would like to. Uh, So that's usually the reason why uh, some of my episodes are short, but um, I don't know if you noticed, I have been working on that, which is why, Some of the recent episodes have been at least over 20 minutes at best. If not 20 minutes, it's usually over 20 minutes. Well, I think it's only been two episodes recently because I am still somewhat of a fairly new podcast. Um, I've only started, I think, about like four months ago, four or five months ago. So I'm still pretty uh, new to the podcast scene. Um, But having said that, This episode is going to be tied into another episode that I was actually going to put out on Thanksgiving Day, but um, because, you know, I have family to go and visit, I just didn't really have time to edit the episode. I didn't really have time to, you know, because I'm a bit of a perfectionist (laughs) with everything that I do. Oh my goodness, man. I don't know why my throat's fucking killing me right now, but... uh which really sucks because i need my voice and my throat is getting in the way of that but anyways uh, so i wasn't able to really get around to editing the episode because like i said i'm a bit of a perfectionist if, if i don't like the way it feels that's also a reason why i didn't put it out too is because i just didn't really like it i i don't know i'm just really stupid like that but uh it's gonna be tied in with another episode uh and that episode was just more of the same thing too just a looser fill. i i don't really have music on it i have my signature intro that was made by the band morning person uh that's the intro that has been my intro for a while now uh i still have that i still have it at the end because i usually play that towards the end of each episode so you know that that is you're getting to the end because <laughs> sometimes i don't know about you guys but when i'm listening to a podcast i'm usually busy. The main time that i actually listen to podcasts is when i'm at work i'm usually just lost into different podcasts i'm starting to catch up on a lot more podcasts because recently a lot of podcasts have been following me and one such podcast that i'm actually really getting into uh, they're called um keep it real creep it real not keep it it's creep it real podcast they're actually really good it's um two ladies that actually um, host the podcast are actually pretty funny. I like the stories that they have on there. They're really interesting. Um, I was actually – I wasn't, like, featured featured, but (laughs) I had submitted a story that they had on one of their, um, like, earlier episodes. It was more of, like, a listener podcast episode where they just told creepy stories from people. So if you want to go check it out, it's a Creep It Real Podcast. You can follow them on Instagram as well at Pod so go and do that anyways another um actual there's two more podcasts that i've actually been getting into another one is bumblebutt podcast they're actually pretty cool and i actually really like that name because for those of you that don't know um what was his name oh my god it just like slipped my fucking mind right now what was his fucking name <laughs> uh he's the code- co co-ed killer what the fuck is his name? I'm sitting at a computer. I'll just look it up. I'm so embarrassed because I'm supposed to be a true crime fucking podcast. And I don't even remember his name. A co-ed killer. Um, is it Edward Kemper? Ed Kemper? Because I I'm, I keep thinking of Ed Gain for some reason. Let's see here. I'm fucking typing it. In. Edmund Kemper. There we go. Edmund Kemper. Fuck. I don't know why I forgot that name. But bumble Butt podcast uh they're pretty much that's where they got the idea for their name which i actually really like that name because um in his interviews edmund kemper would refer to himself as bumblebutt because that's what his mom used to call him was like don't be a bumblebutt so he would actually refer to himself in his interviews that he had um which you can actually look up on youtube and stuff and see that just to see into the mind of this sick, depraved man. But there was something about him that was actually kind of charming uh, in a weird way, and that would make sense. I know you're probably thinking, like, what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> for thinking that in the first place? But there is something charming about him when you listen to him. He is kind of a genius in a way, and despite what he did, because what he did is fucking sick and depraved, there is something charming about the way he speaks. He has, He can really... If you're not, if you didn't really know who he was, you would kind of find him fascinating, and what if you didn't know what he did? Um, you could, like that's kind of why I'm interested in him because the way he speaks, he speaks with uh, some intelligence. But um, anyway, so that's Bumblebutt podcast. They tell pretty good stories, and I swear to God, one of them sounds exactly like Adam Carolla. I don't know who it is, but one of those guys sounds exactly like fucking Adam Carolla um just a little bit lighter adam Corolla has more like eh, kind of sound <laughs> but uh one of them sounds exactly almost exactly like adam Corolla. but they're actually a pretty cool podcast i, I really enjoy listening to their podcast as well um the last one that i've been recently and i just started listening to them because i'm trying to catch up on because there's even more there's wickedly um our podcast there's just so many podcasts out there and i'm sorry if i can't get to all of you if you guys happen to listen to my podcast, just shoot me a message at Strange Talk Podcast, so I can properly introduce you on the next episode. But there is a lot. There's Wickedly Hour Podcast. There's um, Darkest Corners Podcast. There is a lot of podcasts out there. It's almost like we're a huge fucking family of true crime podcasts. So um, the, the recent podcast that I've been getting into is called caskets and cocktails and it's actually a really fun podcast to listen to it's because the chemistry between because it's a father-daughter um podcast they're not true crime podcasts by any means um it's mainly just stories that the father has you know that tells in his podcast he answers questions because he's in the i guess the cemetery business i guess you'd say or a funeral. No, I don't think he's a funeral director. He just basically owns and operates cemeteries, um, and he, he he basically tells stories with his daughter revolving around cemeteries. Like he'll answer like weird questions that people submit, and they're actually gaining very popular and they're fairly new as well. I kind of wish I I, w- I had their kind of like popularity, but anyways, uh, they're actually a really good podcast. I've, I'm enjoying them. Uh, same for all of the podcasts. I'm enjoying all of them. All of them have their, each their unique take on what they deal with and everything. And let's face it, all of them are a lot better than my podcast. <laughs> so uh, this episode that I'm going to start off with, um, because it's going to tie into another episode that I wasn't actually going to release, but I say, you know what, fuck it, just release it. But this episode is going to be about the story of the boy in the box so let's get to it welcome to strange talk so the boy in the box the boy in the box was the name given to an unfortunate young boy who lost his life. Um, so here's here's a story. Here's how that goes. In the February of 1957, a boy's body was found in a box wrapped in a plaid blanket. Um, he was found in the woods off of Sus- Susquehanna. I'm probably saying that completely wrong wrong. So I'm so sorry if you live there. But it's in Philadelphia and it's Hanna Road in Fox Chase. Uh, he was completely naked and he was inside of a cardboard box. Um, the box was used to actually house a bassinet and it was sold at JCPenney. Penney. Um, this took place in 1957, like I said, in February. Um when the boy was found he was actually found um with his hair it looked like it was recently given a he was given a haircut um but investigators um after investigating the body they determined that his hair was actually cut after his death um the reason for that being is um clumps of his hair was actually clinging to his body Um, There were signs of severe malnourishment, as well as surgical scars on the ankle and groin, and an L-shaped scar under the chin. The body was first discovered by a young man who was checking his muskrat traps, uh, fearing that the police would confiscate his traps because it was technically illegal to even have those traps out there because um, they're meant for muskrats, but any other wildlife who just happens to stumble upon them? Even children could possibly, you know, become trapped. He did not report what he found to the police after, you know, he found the body because he was, you know, afraid of the fact that, you know, he could get in trouble or they might pin it on him. Nobody really knows the reason why. Um, then a college student actually spotted a rabbit running into the underbrush. And because he knew that there were animal traps in the area he stopped his car to actually see uh, where the rabbit went to see if it was okay and he also discovered the body but for some reason he didn't actually report that he found the body which is really really fucking weird again I mean I'm not in his head I don't know the reasons why but maybe he 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 too thought oh well if I report this maybe they're gonna pin it on me which is really dumb. (laughs) But hey, you know, to each their own. But he did actually report it the next day after he discovered the body. So the investigation, uh, the police received the report and opened an investigation on February 26 1957. Uh, They lifted fingerprints and police were kind of, you know, optimistic about it. And they thought they would be able to this would basically be an open cut, open and close, you know, type of case uh the case garnered a lot of media attention in philadelphia you know because the just the fact that a small young child was found in this box uh they you know they pretty much just tried everything they could to just basically get it out there they the body was found severely damaged um We'll get into the details soon so the crime scene was combed over and over again by 270 police academy recruits um as they were canvassing the nearby area where the body was discovered they happened to stumble upon a man's blue corduroy cap and a child's scarf and a man's white handkerchief with the letter g in the corner of the handkerchief all of these clues led nowhere they were just basically loose ends uh, they even went as far as distribute a post-mortem photograph which you can actually find if you give it a quick google so if you're curious um i don't know if i want to because uh, it's just kind of sad because like i said this is a child they don't know his age they estimate it was between the ages of three and seven this boy and they actually posted uh through the media on newspapers and um basically they posted pictures of the missing child well he's not missing but they posted him saying you know if you know who this child if he's your son you know come claim him because we don't know who he is and so um they posted the pictures of him after his death and i mean it's not super graphic but you can tell that's not what he looked like when he was alive, obviously. So when they posted the picture of him post-mortem, they fully dressed him and he was in a seated position. And they thought it would help to kind of show, well, this is what he looked like when he was alive. I'm hoping that it could lead to a clue. And uh, so on March 21st, 2016 the national center for missing and exploited children released a facial reconstruction of the victim and added him into the database so basically so when the boy was found in February 25th of 1957 it's still this case is still open to this very day that I'm speaking to you and you're listening to this episode they have never found any suspect they found one um and i'll get into that a little later of the theories but they 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 have it was kind of credible at the time and police were basically hoping that this would lead somewhere and it kind of did but for whatever reason they just they just never (laughs) they never went they never followed through and followed up with it but um In August of 2018, Barbara Ray Venter, the genetic genealogist—oh uh, my god, why can't I fucking say that word? Genealogist—who helped to identify the Golden State Killer using a DNA pre- profiling technique—said that she was going to use the same method to try to be- identify the boy in the box because, like I said, his identity still rem- is unknown. They do not know anything about this boy. okay so let's get into um some of the theories okay so here's one theory there was a foster home that was located approximately 1.5 miles from the site of the body um this would be kind of one that i don't really think police some obviously some police did agree that This is most likely the best case scenario of what happened. So in 1960, Remington Bristow, an employee of the medical examiner's office who doggedly pursued the case until his death in 1993, contacted a New Jersey psychic who told him to look for a house that matched the foster home. When the psychic was brought to the Philadelphia discovery site, she led Bristow directly to the foster home. Upon attending an estate sale at the foster home, Bristow discovered a bassinet similar to the one sold at JCPenney, which, like I said earlier, uh, the body was discovered in a box that originally contained a bassinet that was sold at JCPenney. He also discovered blankets hanging on the clothesline that were similar to the one in which the boy's body had been wrapped in. Uh, Bristow believed that the boy belonged to the stepdaughter of the man who ran the foster home. And that they disposed of his body so the stepdaughter would not be exposed as an unwed mother he theorized that the boy's death had been an accident despite this circumstantial evidence the police were able to find many definitive links between the boy in the box and the foster family in 1998 philadelphia police lieutenant tom augustine who is in charge of the investigation and several members of the VDOC society a group of retired policemen and profilers interviewed the foster father and the stepdaughter, whom he had married. The foster home investigation was closed. So it was kind of like all these clues were rolling into being, although they were circumstantial, they were kind of rolling into that, hey, you know, this is going somewhere. But for some reason, for some fucking reason, when they were getting close to it they just backed off no one knows why and that's kind of like suspect a little bit so the next theory is the woman known as martha or m another theory was brought forward in february of 2002 by a woman identified only as martha police considered martha's story to be plausible and and this one Is one that actually this would be the number one theory that police were actually going on the second would be the foster home but this this one is the one that people wanted to believe the most and you'll see why Um, police consider Martha's story I'm sorry police consider Martha's story to be plausible but were troubled by her testimony as she had a history of mental illness M claimed that her abusive mother had purchased the unknown boy whose name was jonathan from his birth parents in the summer of 1954. subsequently the boy was subjected to extreme physical and sexual abuse for two and a half years one evening at dinner the boy vomited up his mill of baked beans and was given a severe beating with his head slammed against the floor until he was semi-conscious he was then given a bath during which he had, which he died. These details matched information known only to the police as the coroner had found the boy's stomach contained the remains of baked beans and that his fingers were watered wrinkled. M's mother then cut the boy's distinctive long hair accounting for the unprofessional haircut which police noted in their initial investigation in an effort to conceal his identity. M's mother then forced M Martha to assist her in the dumping of the boy's body in the Fox Chase area. M went on to say that this, as they were preparing to remove the boy's body from the trunk of a car, a passing male motorist pulled alongside to inquire whether they needed help. Martha was ordered to stand in front of the car's license plate to shield it from view, while the mother convinced the would-be good Samaritan that there was no problem. The man eventually drove off. This story corroborated confidential testimony given by a male witness in 1957, who said the boy had been placed in a box previously discarded at the scene. In spite of the outward plausibility of M's confession, police were unable to verify her story. And neighbors who had access to M's house during the stated time period denied that there had been a young boy living there and dismissed M's claims as ridiculous. Um, so there's one more theory. It, it's kind of like, I don't know, because this one, it seems like it, like it's definitive. So forensic artist Frank Bender developed a theory that the victim may have been raised as a girl. The child's unprofessional haircut, which appeared to have been performed in a haste was the basis for the scenario as well as the appearance of the eyebrows having been styled. Bender later released a sketch of the unidentified child with long hair, reflecting the strands found on the body. In 2016, two writers, one from Los Angeles, California, known as Jim Hoffman, the other from New Jersey, named Louis Romano. Explained that they believed they had discovered a potential identity from Memphis, Tennessee, and requested that DNA be compared between the family members and the child. The lead was originally discovered by a Philadelphia man who introduced Romano and Hoffman to each other, and then developed and presented with the help of Hoffman to the Philadelphia Police Department and the VDOC Society in early 2013. In December of 2013, Romano became aware of the lead and agreed to help the man from Philadelphia and Hoffman to personally obtain the DNA from this particular family member in January 2014, which was sent sent quickly to the Philadelphia Police Department. Local authorities confirmed that they would investigate the lead, yet they stated they would need to do more research on the circumstances surrounding the link to Memphis before comparing DNA. In October of 2017, the PPD confirmed through DNA retrieved by the PPD through the Memphis PD that the Memphis man and the fox chase boy found in the box were most definitely related. And that was it about the case. They didn't pursue it anymore. Why? I don't know. And like I said, to this day, the case still remains open and unsolved. So they did actually have a burial for him, for the young boy that was found. The boy in the box was originally buried in a potter's field. In 1998, his body was exhumed for the purpose of extracting DNA, which was tamed from enamel on a tooth, on one of his teeth. He was reburied at Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedarbrook, Philadelphia, which donated a large plot of land. The coffin, headstone, and funeral service were donated by the son of the man who had buried the boy back in 1957. There was significant public attendance and media coverage at the reburial. The grave has a large headstone bearing the words, America's unknown child. City residents keep the grave decorated with flowers and stuffed animals. And so thus ends the tale of the boy in the box so thank you for listening to that story the episode is not done yet as you can see there's still more to be said um because i'm actually going to be playing the thanksgiving episode that i was i recorded it after thanksgiving because like i said earlier in the intro i wasn't able to fully record the episode and finish it on thanksgiving and have it out you know i thought i was going to be able to have it done and ready, but I was pressed for time. I had to get ready to go see family, but happy Thanksgiving, happy late Thanksgiving to you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving and I hope you guys got all fat and shit because I know I did, but fuck it, who cares? You know, you only live once. So stay tuned for the next segment, which is This Week in Crime, where I discuss different crimes that actually happened around or on Thanksgiving, and there's some in there that don't actually have nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but I just thought they were interesting stories nonetheless. So, stay tuned for that segment. Hey, how you guys doing? Hello, strangers. Welcome to an episode of Beyond the Strange. Uh, oh, sorry, I couldn't have the recent episode I announced, which was uh, Dee, Dee Blanchard, going to be titled in that episode, uh, The Sick Child Who Killed Her Mother. So uh, the reason why I'm not going to have the episode released tomorrow like I intended is because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of story to that. There's a lot of uh, research that's going into that. And with the holidays, Thanksgiving just passed. So happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving. So the reason why, that's honestly the reason why I was just, you know, you know, dealing with the family and, you know, going to all the things and doing everything. You know, it's kind of just gotten in the way for me, you know, doing the research that I could. Um, I did record some of it uh, just to get it out of the way, but I haven't fully, you know, added everything. So this is why I'm doing a Beyond the Strange episode. Um, But it's going to be a little different. It's not really about anything in particular. It's not really going to be about... Um, I do have like a, a couple of like crime stories because since I am somewhat of a true true crime podcast, can't really talk right now. Uh, <coughs> because I am a true crime podcast, uh, I thought I'd bring you some stories that I found um, you know, revolving around crime. Some of them are funny, some of them are serious. Um, but first off, uh, so also, I want to thank everybody who um, on my Instagram, uh my birthday was uh it passed this week it was on the 20th so it was on Tuesday uh so I want to thank everybody who messaged me on the Instagram at strange talk podcast uh everybody who took the time to message me you know happy birthday I appreciate that and thank you uh so it wasn't it was my birthday uh some stuff happened that I wish didn't happen (laughs) but I mean what can you do uh you know, I still appreciate everything that I got. It's not like I'm sounding like a fucking spoiled brat, but <laughs> it's just something happened that I won't really go into. So I'm sorry if I'm leaving you curious because I'm pretty sure you're going to want to know. But uh, some stuff happened that I wish didn't happen. Uh kind of it didn't ruin the day, but it just ruined the night. Um, but yeah, so uh, Thanksgiving happened too. So that w- there was that. Uh it's just I noticed that uh after my father passing away uh things seem a little different especially with the family. My family's going through their grief, uh I'm going through mine. Uh the holidays obviously are not going to be the same because you know my father's gone, he's not around. So um other than that it's it's just you you, you kind of you can tell there is a change in everything. But uh I don't enough about me. <laughs> So anyways, uh let's get into the first story that I'm going to have for the episode. So here we go. So, this first story comes from The Guardian at theguardian.com and it says wire transfers: New York bank robber uses DVDs to pass notes to tellers. So, a bank robber in New York City is demanding cash with notes written on DVD cases of the, the show The Wire. The acclaimed Baltimore set crime drama, which ran for five seasons, I said Sevens, seasons on HBO between 2002 and 2008. Okay, uh, NBC New York reported the police said the man had passed the notes, which contained increasingly violent threats. To tellers in three of four heists he is suspected of committing the New York Police Department said the man wore all black clothing and sunglasses and threatened to bomb or gas the banks all on the west side of Manhattan if his demands were not met it was not clear how much money he had stolen detective Martin speechly told NBC he's hitting almost every other day it concerns me because his notes are getting more and more violent the suspect seems to have an interest in police work, speechly said, given his use of the DVD cases. The detective added that he would be happy to show the man how real police do their jobs by putting him behind bars. Oh. So that's that, <laughs> that's that story. I didn't really think there was going to be more to that, but apparently not. So he's still out there. He hasn't been caught. Oh, so, Interesting okay here's the next one this one comes from nbcnews.com a man killed during black friday sales at alabama mall mistaken for gunman i heard about this story i saw it actually on facebook and i don't really go to facebook that much uh because sometimes i just feel like it's really toxic Uh, for some reason my feed always has to do with like political shit and i tend to stay away from there because you're free to believe whatever you want to believe if you're a Republican, Democrat, if you're independent, it does not matter to me. As long as it doesn't affect me, I could care less. You know, and I know some of you that are listening to this will be like, well it does affect you. Yeah, I know it does, but I really don't care. We as people don't really have that much choice. And it sucks to say, but if all of us actually, you know, band together and got together, it doesn't matter about voting, but if we actually got together and pushed for something different and new You know, maybe then, you know, we could actually change something. But until then, I feel like the system that we have put in place right now doesn't do anything for us. Um, But enough about that. So, on to the story. Authorities in Alabama say they have launched an investigation on an attack that took place near Birmingham Thursday night after a fight left one person dead and two others injured. The Hoover Police Department in Alabama told news outlets Friday that the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office will be conducting an investigation into a shooting that occurred during a Black Friday sale at the River Chase Galleria in the Birmingham suburb of Hoover. Police were called on the scene as hundreds of people fled River Chase Galleria after gunshots were reported at 9.52 p.m., 10.52 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, witnesses said. The Hoover police captain, Greg Rector, said the incident began with a fight between two people, with one man pulling a gun and shooting an 18 year old man twice in the torso. Officials initially said Emanic Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's his name. Emanic? Emanic? That's a weird name. Fitzgerald Bradford Jr. Oh, God, that fucking name. <laughs> I'm sorry if you have the name Emanic. But that just the whole fucking name, Emanic Fitzgerald Bradford Jr. That just sounds like a dude that talks like Emanic Fitzgerald Bradford Jr. That just sounds like a fucking smug like douchebag, and that's sad because I'm judging this guy and I don't really know him. But anyways, officials initially said that Emanic Fitzgerald Bradford Jr. 21 had fired the rounds that injured an 18-year-old man he was fighting with at the river chase galleria but on friday released an updated statement saying that while bradford may have been involved in some aspect of the altercation evidence show he was likely not the shooter and that a gunman remained at large so they caught the wrong person uh two other people were injured including a 12 year old girl the 12 year old girl was struck by gunfire and circumstances that remains unclear she was described as alert conscience, and talking, Rector said. Police have yet to release the names of the injured victims. Meanwhile, the officer involved in the shooting has been placed in administrative leave as the investigation into the shooting is carried out, Rector said in a Friday statement. The mall was going to remain closed until further notice on Thursday, but has since reopened as the retail group says there is no current danger to the community. We are devastated by the incident that happened last night in our shopping center, wrote Lindsey Kahn, a spokesman for Brookfield Properties Retail Group who owns the mall. We are working closely with the Hoover Police Department and are grateful for their swift action to contain the situation. Multiple witnesses told NBC affiliate WVTM of Birmingham that they heard as many as 10 shots. Shopping was cut short on Thanksgiving Day last year when fights broke out at the same mall. One person was treated for minor injuries. So initially, when I heard about this story, it was a man. uh, They didn't really report on his race, but maybe it is a separate thing because I don't remember because, like I told you, I don't really go on Facebook that much because when I do, I don't really like what I see on there, so I just tend to stay away from it. Um, But I I don't even know why I don't even delete the app. I don't know. Sometimes I like to see certain articles because I do follow a lot of, like, uh, gaming... um, you know, Facebook pages on there. So I, I, I usually follow them and meme pages. So I usually just kind of like, that's kind of why I go on there sometimes for the most part. But uh, I, I want to say it, it is the same incident. Cause it, like I said, it could be different. They didn't really give any info on, you know, the racist of these individuals that were involved in the shooting, but that I know of, if it is the same one, cause I don't remember where it took place on the Facebook article that I read. It was a, Uh, African American man who was shot uh, because the police initially believed he was the shooter, but he actually wasn't the shooter, and I believe they killed him because they mistaken him, because I believe he was carrying a firearm with him. It wasn't stated whether he was... um, if he was allowed to be carrying the weapon or anything. They didn't really give any info on that, so, you know. But then again, it's not like, you know, news outlets have ever you know, reported factual things or, you know, sometimes they just because ratings are what matters. And sometimes news outlets want to just be the first ones to get the info out there because they want to be the first ones so they can get their ratings up. And that's like a really sad thing. (laughs) You know, because it's no longer about just getting the facts and getting the news out there. It's just about getting the news out there. And who cares what they get right, because we can just fix it later. I feel like that's the mentality a lot nowadays, and that's really sad. Not only that, just the fact that Black Friday, that shit's really really sad, man. Especially all the videos that you see of people just, like, scurrying and fighting with one another to just get a fucking TV. Or, I remember I saw a video, and it it was on Facebook, too, on a meme page. I saw a video of people fighting with each other over fucking bath towels. Bath towels at Walmart. And they were actually, like, just, t- like, they were having tug of wars trying to pull the blank- the, the blankets, the towels out of their fucking uh, hands, and it's sad. Like, like I, I'm probably going to sound like a conspiracy nut to you, so get your tinfoil hat out. But I just, part of me feels like that's what, like, corporations want. They don't care who gets hurt they don't care what happens to you they only care what happens to themselves they only care about making more money this is what they want they want this they want us to line up because i remember you know when i was younger when i was a kid i remember no stores were really open on thursday um none of them would open they would open the following day for black friday but they, they would open up at the time that they're supposed to open up. Nowadays, on Thanksgiving Day, stores are open starting at 5 o'clock. And the people that camp out now, it's just, I feel like that's what they want. They want you to work your job, and instead of saving your money for something that you need, they want you to spend money on something that you don't need. I feel like we're really brainwashed into wanting these unnecessary things that we want. And I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I, cause I do fall into that trap sometimes. So, I mean, take for instance, the TV that I have, I've had it since 2009. Okay. I've had it since 2009 and I have <laughs> like, this is the TV that I have is supposed to be the flat screen TVs. And at the time, those were considered the flat screen TVs at the time I got my TV in 2009 by today's standards, it's not really a flat-screen TV anymore. It's, <laughs> it's not, um, <clears throat> but I I just feel like, cause for a good example of what I'm trying to talk about, they're, they're like, okay, for instance, when we get our income taxes, around that time, you'll see nothing but commercials for TVs and cars, because that's usually what people use their income taxes for, are cars and TVs. And that's really sad because we should be using that for something else. It's your money. You are free to do whatever you want with it. But that's what I mean. We're so programmed and sort of brainwashed to buy into those ideas. Because advertisements, you know, advertisements play into that. They, they kind of have like this psychological aspect to them where you feel like, you're not a complete person if you don't buy this thing. Like you will not be complete until you buy that new TV. Because sometimes I, I I don't feel like that, but sometimes I'm like, man, I need a new TV. I need a new TV because I'm tired of having this old TV. When in reality, the TV's fine. It works perfectly fine. It's it it it, only, it doesn't output the resolution doesn't output to 1080p because back then it, when I got it, it didn't have 1080p yet. It was it only outputs to 1080i. So that's how old the TV is. and But I, I probably will get a new TV. I don't know when, but it's not going to be any time soon. <laughs> so that's it for that um, that article. Here's the next article. And following the trend of Black Friday, since we Black Friday was this weekend, um, Black Friday thief tried to make off with boatload of electronics. So he didn't want a deal. So this article comes from New York. He didn't want a deal. He wanted a steal. (laughs) They're so funny. A thief took Black Friday bargaining hunting to a new level when he tried to swipe $826 worth of electronics from an Upper East Side Best Buy. Jose Marin, 30, of Washington Heights, stuffed the gadgets, including a PlayStation 4, a cell phone, and Amazon Echo speakers, in a backpack. And strolled out amid the mad dash for deals at 9.20 a.m. He also allegedly took two sets of Insignia headphones, but security guards spotted him and held him until cops arrived at the shop on Lexington Avenue and East 86th Street, according to police. The cops searched Marin's bag after the guards told them they saw him trying to open the PS4 box in the store, police said. Along with the gadgets, the cops found the glass pipe with drug residue, police said. He was hauled away in cuffs. The PS4 was selling for $399. While the headphones and speakers were $109 each and the cell phone $99, cops said. Marin was charged with petty um, larceny, possession of stolen property, and possession of a controlled substance. He was given a desk appearance ticket. Afterward, he allegedly asked cops, Can I get my pipe back? For real? <laughs> uh, Marin has eight prior arrests on charges, including criminal mischief, theft of service, and resisting arrests. He is due back in court December 10th. A manager at the Pack Best Buy store declined to comment on the theft, saying only, We're slammed right now. I feel like this is a joke website. <laughs> it, no, it looks pretty legit. Well, there's that. So, um, there we go. All right, here's the next, the next, uh, next article. It comes from the same website. The, actually, the last, all like I have uh, four more, including this one. So uh, they're all from the same website, the NewYorkPost.com. Uh, no charges. Okay, this one's titled, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, no charges after FedEx driver kills racist who called him the N-word. A FedEx driver in Oregon will not face charges in connection with the September death of a Portland man he fatally punched after the stranger called him racial slurs. The mountain man, the Multnomah, I, that's a weird fucking county district. The Multnomah, I'm probably saying that completely wrong. If anybody wants to correct me, go ahead, but it's spelled M-U-L. T-N-O-M-A-H County District Attorney's Office announced Monday. Senior Deputy District Attorney Adam Gibbs said in a memo that Timothy Warren was in his right to challenge Joseph Magnuson who witnesses said called the FedEx worker the N-word and other aggressive and abusive phrases. The uh, The organ uh, The Oregon the I know it's organ because it's... Anyways, The incident occurred September 26th in northeast Portland when witnesses said Magnuson started the altercation by yelling at Warren very aggressively to slow down, the paper reported. When Warren tried to speak with Magnuson after stopping the vehicle, Magnuson called him racial slurs and threw a drink at the FedEx employee. Some witnesses said Magnuson also hurled a bag of food at Warren. The paper reported before he threw a punch that missed. Warren hit Magnuson above his left eye, knocking him to the ground unconscious, the report said. Magnuson later died, according to the paper. Okay. Okay, so this article is very misleading. I mean, it's not misleading to you, because obviously I'm reading it off to you. But it shows a picture of the FedEx car, so it made it seem like... Oh, no, that's just my dumbass fault. Anyway, scratch that. Um, while Magnuson might still be alive if Warren had not stopped, Gibbs noted that the decision by Warren, who is black, to not let the racist vitriol to which he was being subjected go unanswered is not of a legal significance, according to the paper. Warren waited at the scene and cooperated with the police, the paper reported. A medical examiner also determined Magnuson was in extremely poor health, which contributed to his death, according to the paper. So, basically, the FedEx employee punched the guy uh named magnuson for calling him racial slurs and i guess i guess either the punch killed him or maybe you know him knocking unconscious and his maybe his head hit hit the ground in such a you know like violent way that that's what attributed to his death but he's not being charged with the death especially too because i guess he you know he stayed at the scene it probably would have been worse if he fled the scene but uh so, no, he's not going to be charged with anything. So, good on him, I guess. Because, I mean, yeah, I guess it's okay. I'm not, I mean, it's not okay. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't really care. Because if you're racist, you're racist. And you deserve, you're free to say whatever you want to say. But that, that just as much as you are free to say what you want to say, the person is free to do what they feel is necessary to do to you. Does it mean kill you? No. But that doesn't mean that because you are a racist, there isn't going to be re- repercussions for what you're doing. I don't know what why that doesn't matter. And sure, one can argue saying, well, oh, why aren't you a big boy? Why are words going to hurt you? Yeah, I guess. But sometimes some people feel like this is the natural response. And they usually say the first reaction that you have is the correct action. So there's that. Because I, I hate, That's also so why too I stayed away from Facebook too, because a lot of I kind of get some of the things that I'm seeing. I kind of get... Like, I try to play to both sides. I try to understand where people's perspectives are coming from. So, like, take, for instance, the whole Roseanne thing that recently happened. Well, I think it happened a while ago. But how Roseanne tweeted something about something, about a person. I believe it was a woman. And she said that she has, like, swinging eight balls or something like that. Because I know... Fucking Roseanne has tweeted a bunch of shit before. But... I guess she said something a lot of people, which like a lot of people found it kind of racist in particular. And a lot of people, you know, wanted something to be some, something to happen to her. You know, they wanted something to be done about what she said. So that's kind of why her show got canceled. But now it came back as the Connors, and they kind of outed her. I believe they killed her off or they just I don't know because I don't really watch that show. My family used to watch uh, Roseanne back in the day. Sometimes I would occasionally like watch the show because back then we only had one TV. So if I wasn't using it, then then they were using it to watch TV. Um, But so like one of the, like, okay. So if you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, he recently had Roseanne on there a while back. uh, And she kind of goes into explaining and Joe Rogan is kind of like saying like, you know, he doesn't agree with what she said. Um, obviously he said he doesn't agree with it, but he clean, he claims to say that I don't want to say it's an excuse, but I feel like it is an excuse. The reason why she was like that was because she was on ambient <laughs> and ambient is known to cause people to do, there's been cases where it's caused people to sleepwalk, uh, people talk in their sleep, uh, it causes people to do certain actions like make a sandwich or, I've heard stories when I was looking into it about ambient. I heard stories about people making sandwiches and, or just actually eating. And I've never once heard a story though, where somebody said something like racist or anything. So I guess it's kind of like, I feel like he's kind of making an excuse for her that, oh, you know, she took ambient. I guess, but Every other, like, and he even gives examples, too, of certain things that he's heard people do while being under the influence of Ambient. But none of them, like, have been about being racist or saying anything racist at all. And to me, I feel like, like I said, I don't know Roseanne on a personal level. I don't know her, how she is. But I, I just feel like that's an excuse oh, I'm on ambient. <laughs> like, that's so stupid, like, just apologize, and that's it, don't try to, like, throw it away, like, oh, this, I said those things because I was on ambient. just own up to it, be like, I made a mistake, you know, and that's fine, and that's it, you're done with it, of course, she can't be done with it, because she's a celebrity, so she's always going to be in the spotlight about it, especially when it's something like that, but I do feel like sometimes we, I'll be honest, we do live in an outrage out, you know, an outrage time where everybody gets offended by something. And I, I don't think that that's really right. Especially when it comes to comedy, like comedy has always been like an outlet where you can go to hear You don't have to go to those type of people, but there are comedians who tell dark jokes. And for me personally, I have a dark sense of humor. I don't really show it in the podcast. But if you like knew me while I played games, like if you gamed with me, (laughs) I do have a pretty dark, sick sense of humor. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you're okay and you know that the people are comfortable with it that you're joking around with. If they're not, you obviously don't joke around like that because that's how I am. If I know that a person isn't comfortable with dark humor, then I won't be like that around them. I'll just be the humor that they're into. So I guess that's just kind of how you have to look at it. So here's the next post. Um, This one comes from the same website, like I said, uh, newyorkpost.com. It reads, stoner dad gets prison for uh, four-year-old son's shooting death. A Pennsylvania dad was sentenced for involuntary manslaughter Monday in connection with his four-year-old son's accidental shooting death last year. Oh, excuse me, man. Fuck, I don't know what's wrong with my throat. Ryan Koch, 23, of Stroudsburg, will serve one to two years in Monroe County Prison, along with three years probation for the tragic death of his son, Bentley Koch. Authorities say Bentley picked up a loaded gun and accidentally shot himself in the face in June of 2017. Koch was charged a few months later after he admitted leaving a bullet in the chamber of his gun and placing it on the shelf in his living room after smoking pot. He pleaded guilty to the charges last August. If I didn't have a gun in that house, I would still have my son, Koch told his attorney. He had full custody of his son at the time of the incident. Bentley's mother, Alexis Atoni, um, Antony? Yeah, who lives in Mount Pocono, called her son's death a tragic accident now it was difficult to watch he doesn't deserve to go to jail I don't want to see him go to jail but they had to do what they had to do uh, that's Antoni's ex-wife uh, saying that um, I don't really like how they're leading I don't like how this post says that I don't smoke as much as I used to um, but I wouldn't consider myself a stoner anymore. But back in the day, yes, I was. Like when my daughter was first born, I was. I wasn't smoking. I, I, actually, I was smoking a lot. But I was. Uh, now I'm not smoking as much. Um, but I don't really like how this this fucking article is saying. Oh, stoner dad gets prison for four-year-old son shooting because they're making it seem like as if it's the weed. Like if, if it's the fucking cannabis, like the fact that he smokes, because <sighs> he just was really irresponsible. And maybe some people out there are gonna be like, well, if he didn't smoke, maybe he would remember to put the gun away. That is probably very true, but it's not the fact that he smokes. I think they're just kind of using that to just put people who enjoy cannabis in a, in a good you know light, I guess. I mean in a bad light not a good light because why would they even need to mention that they're just mentioning that probably just like I said to just put people who enjoy using cannabis in a bad light because for me because well I'll be honest with you, the reason why I stopped smoking was because I felt like when I was smoking honestly why I started smoking to begin with was just because of depression I was using it as a, as a way to self-medicate and It does do the trick for you, especially when you're depressed like that. It it does help with depression. But mainly the reason why I stopped was because I felt like (sighs) smoking a lot just kind of made me really lazy. And if you are a person who loves to enjoy cannabis and uses it regularly, that's fine. As long as, for me, this is how I feel. As long as you're productive with it and you're able to do and take care of your responsibilities, then okay. But for me, I felt like it was making me really lazy and everything, especially like just doing chores. Because as soon as I got, after I got high, because I I wouldn't, I would dab, not the dance move. So please don't make that stupid fucking joke. But I would uh, dab. um, And if you don't know, dabbing is basically you're either using a a torch or you're using, there's e-rigs, I guess. (sighs) I'm probably gonna confuse the fuck out of you. I'm acting like people don't smoke weed, but whatever. Basically I would dab like I would dab a lot and throughout the day. And so when I when I would be done, I would be super gone to the point that I felt really lazy. And like even now, because uh, I go hang out with a buddy of mine, he smokes regularly. And that's fine. I'm not judging him because he's been my best friend since we were fucking kids and I'm not judging him. That's he's free to do whatever he wants. I just stopped because me personally, I felt like it was making me too lazy. And I feel like he's the opposite. He's pretty productive and everything. For me, I I felt like it was just making me very lazy. And I didn't want to do anything. So that's why I stopped to that. But for this article to to just kind of point out the fact that he he smokes, because we don't even know how much he smokes. He could very well be smoking a lot. But no one really knows because the fact is he just made the mistake of leaving the gun out. If you have a gun and you have a child, you don't do things like that. You don't, because a child will get into anything. It takes a person to be responsible. So maybe he's not responsible, maybe he was, who knows. No one really knows, but I I just don't really like how the article mentions the fact that he's a stoner. So on to the next one. This one is titled, Sick Man Amits to Having Sex with Pony. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a florida man has admitted having sex with a male pony i tell him that is that he's a sick man deputy said nicholas anthony sardo 21 of citra was arrested for having intercourse with a small horse named jackie g after a witness reported to deputies that he- she saw sardo attacking the animal in a pasture on a relative property on october 13th the marin county sheriff's office announced monday Another woman told authorities she saw Sardo having sex with the animal and approached him to discuss what she witnessed. Sardo then immediately admitted having sex with the pony. A confession later made to a detective as well, Deputy said. Sardo later revealed to investigators that he had sex with the horse four times during the course of a week, wearing a condom each time to prevent contracting any sexually transmitted diseases from the animal, Deputy said. Sardo also told the detective that he knew what he did was wrong and admitted he was a sick man, Deputy said. Uh, Sardo, who was charged with four counts of bestiality, sexual contact with an animal, was booked into the Marin County Jail. (laughs) The small horse, meanwhile, belongs to one of Sardo's relatives and remains in their care. Conditions of Sardo's contact with the animal in the future, if any, could be determined by a judge, Deputy said. So there's there's that one. Okay, here's the next and last article. Selfie saves an innocent man facing 99 years behind bars. A Texas man facing 99 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit credits a selfie for saving him. When cops showed up at Christopher Procopia's work at a lumber yard in Georgetown... In September of 2017, to arrest him for burglary. Burglary. I don't know why I felt like I said that really weird the first time. With the intent to commit other crimes. He was stunned. I had no idea why everything was happening and I was lost. Um, Procopia said this week. Cops hauled him off to Williamstown County Jail and released him only after his family posted a $150,000 bond. Jeez. So his family's kind of loaded, I guess, because they posted that. I don't even have $150,000. Anyways, um, Procopia had no clue why he was being arrested for what he was accused of. But he later found out his ex-girlfriend from high school had gone to the cops with a fabricated tale. Ah, oh, so that the plot thickens. The accuser said Procopia broke into her home in temple and sliced an X into her chest with a box cutter. Her identity identity is not being made public because she is not being charged with the crime. She would later admit to temple police that she reported Procopia because she had a rocky relationship with him several, several years earlier. On the night of the alleged attack, Procopia was actually 65 miles away at a hotel in Austin with his mom, Aaron Procopia. Luckily, he decided to take a selfie of himself with his family that evening, which he posted on social media. By the grace of God, the accuser said it happened on the day when I can say totally 100% where he was at, Aaron Procopia said. Procopia had a solid alibi, but authorities charged him anyway. Something police experts told might have been presumptuous. Generally, police interview suspects before charging them with a crime, the station explained. You may not get any more information than you had, but it gives you an opportunity for the suspect to react, respond, and deny according to Bruce Mills, a former Austin assistant police chief. Police finally dropped the charges against Procropia nine months after his arrest when his lawyer, Rick Flores, took the alibi evidence to Bell County prosecutors. Dang, it took six months. So, you know, he wasn't even in jail, though. So, because, I mean, his family posted the bond. So, that still has to suck, though, with that hanging over your head. Most of the time we deal with gray matters, Flores said. It is not normally black or white, but this is one of those cases where I could definitely prove he did not commit this offense. Damn. So, imagine. Ugh. I guess, because I don't want to offend anybody, even though I'm pretty sure that's impossible to not offend anybody, especially in this time that we live in. But, Maybe, because there was a there was a video that I saw of this girl. Um She's singing a song, which I totally agree with that song. Don't get me wrong. I totally agree with that song. But the song is making fun of um, the most common thing that people say, you know, specifically men. And the song is about, like, it sure is tough to be a boy or be a man, I think she says. That song's good. And it's really true because uh, I do feel women do have to deal with, cause I mean, I'm a solid five, let's face it. <laughs> I am a solid five. I accept that number. That's, that's my, my rating is a five and that's fine. I have a beautiful fiance and a beautiful child, so I don't really have to worry about, you know, that shit anymore. <laughs> so I got lucky. So anyways, uh, <laughs> I don't have to worry about women coming on to me. I don't have to worry about that because my level of attractiveness is very low, so I don't really have to worry about that. But women do have to worry about that, especially uh, very attractive women have to deal with that. And it is a very sad thing uh, that it happens. Um, I am not one of those people, so I can't really speak for all men, but it does suck that women do have to face that. I've never had to you know, worry about you know, taking a drink from a woman at a bar or a club and have to wonder if something's going to be in there. But it does suck being a man knowing that this is a very worst case scenario and a very extremely hypothetical situation. I will give you that. But let's take, for instance, um, when I was in high school, (laughs) there were... Nothing like that happened to me per se where a woman accused me of something. But let's say something like this. Okay. When I was in high school, I was in JROTC um, at my high school in Orange County. It was called Western High School. So if you went to Western High School in Orange County, uh, it was in Anaheim, actually. Excuse me. But if – so I was at Western, and I was in JROTC, and I was in – ours was the Army and so i was in there and the way our desks were set up was uh like they were facing one another and they were in rows of four so they were just all clumped together in a seating of four um so i'm in high school i'm in ninth grade i'm a freshman uh there is another freshman who sits across from me um i don't i remember her name but i don't want to say it just in case somehow she hears this (laughs) we were young yes obviously i did not like her i did not care for her she was pretty yes but i i was into somebody else at the time but here's a story so uh she liked me and she told me she liked me i told her uh, that i don't really have feelings for you that way i'd rather see us as friends uh so she would still try to do things. So she would sit next to me, obviously if she was sitting across from me, she would tell me things or she would pass me notes, but what she would do to me now that I'm older, it is to me considered that sexual harassment, obviously. But when I'm a kid, I don't really see it that way. I just see it as her being flirty or her being, uh, just her way of showing me that she likes me. But now that I'm older and I'm more aware of what counts as sexual harassment. But anyways, um, I remember there was a time, it happened on occasion, more than one occasion actually, but one time I remember in particular was, uh, it was a, just an easy day at school and um, in the class, I want to say I had the class, year ROTC class, ROTC class, I mean, uh, third period, I want to say. Anyways, it's not like really matters, but I'm terrible at telling stories if you don't realize. So here we go. So we were watching the movie Band of Brothers. Our instructor put that on for us to just watch it because it was an easy day. I don't know if he wasn't feeling good or something. So like I told you, our desks were all sitting that way. We're we're facing each other. So it's a row of um, four or three, I want to say. And so she was sitting across from me and all of a sudden I feel something (laughs) between my legs and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I look down and it's her foot. And she's obviously rubbing my fucking junk with her foot. And I don't tell her to stop because I don't want to bring attention to it because we're in the fucking class and it's quiet because we're watching the movie. So I don't say anything. I kind of just let it happen. And she looks at me and she smiles and I feel very uncomfortable (laughs) and I know a lot of you are like oh what a little bitch you know you don't like that but to be honest with you I didn't like it because I don't like her I didn't like her and I didn't see her that way so I guess in a way you can say it's sexual harassment I don't know see because that's the thing for a guy what is sexual harassment because we all are under that impression that guys can't get raped or guys but I see I don't want to disparage anything because I am a guy And I know a lot of women out there are gonna be like, oh, you're dumb or whatever. If I'm not, if you don't think I am, then whatever. Obviously to me, I felt like I was sexually harassed by her, but we were in high school, who cares? It doesn't matter anymore. But that's what I mean. It's a very scary, it's scary to think that like she could twist that saying that I made her do that. But obviously she can't do it now. (laughs) But I'm saying like, if something were to happen like that today, I feel like a lot of you guys just clicked off right now and you're not gonna listen to the rest of this. (laughs) oh well if you made it this far then then i thank you for listening to this very different episode of strange talk beyond the strange um so this is where i'm gonna cut it off now i guess to end that with a very strange story that happened to me in high school (laughs) but uh so uh to uh, stay tuned for the next episode um The one, the episode, Dee Dee Blanchard and her child, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, uh, titled The Sick Child Who Killed Her Mother. So that will be released next Monday. So, again, I apologize. Uh, You know, the holidays, Thanksgiving, dealing with family, you know, visiting family and everything kind of got in the way of me finishing the episode. I was going to try to have it done, but didn't have the time. So, thank you to everybody who wished me a happy birthday. Uh, so stay tuned for the next episode, um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, if you haven't followed me yet, it's at Podcasts. if you want to send me an email just telling me, hey, you thought this episode was stupid, or <laughs> or you want to give me an idea for a topic or an episode, go ahead and shoot me an email at strangetalkpodcast at outlook.com and that's going to be it for today, so thank you for listening to this episode, so if you got to this to the, to the end of this episode then kudos to you um so as always stay strange